You're listening to the Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Good morning. My name is Mikey, and I am the associate pastor here. And uh, Stephen, thank you for the intro. Stephen is one of my dear friends. I would encourage, if you don't have a mentor that is um, just steps ahead of you, that is wise and smarter than you, I would encourage you to find that. Stephen has been a a lifesaver to me, and I appreciate him. And the reason why he wins in chess is because he cheats. Let's be honest. Um, And he's he's older than me. But... um, (laughs) Hey, um, this morning, I, I want to say that first is that I'm, I'm excited to preach, and, and not only that, but it seems like we're a lively bunch this morning. Like, I feel like you guys are ready to go. I've heard clapping. I've heard applause. I mean, like, and so I want, I want to start by saying let's, let's keep that going this morning. Let's, say, let's see what God has for us today, because I believe that um, in this summer uh, at the gathering kind of sermons, I love it because um, it's not like a, a neat little, you know, sermon series that all tie together, but really what our heart is during the summer is, is that we want to we share with you what God's putting on our heart directly, what God is saying, hey, I, I know that they're series and those are important and those are good, but I want to hear what's raw and what's happening right now. And so um, that's, what's, that's what to this morning is, is. I just want you guys to be up front and say, this message, this, the, the heart behind this message is something that, that I feel like Jesus has been putting on my heart for a long time. And it is, it is like, it is my heartbeat that if I could, if I could share one message, it would be this message. And, um, and so I would encourage us to continue to, to lean in and let's see um, how God wants to speak to us. Well, um, to start is to say that when Morgan and I got married um, a while ago, we, we both were, had a heart for ministry. We both were just already in love with just serving the local church and, and serving people and seeing people come alive. And, and there was a word or a theme that kind of um, started very early on in our ministry and very early on in our Christian walk. And that word was the word revival. Revival. That, that, that was, a, that was the, a, a word or a passion that was in us that we were saying, hey, anywhere we go, everything we do, any, whatever, whatever we are about, we want to be about revival. Simply put, revival is, is that it is a group of people that have been struck by the power of Jesus in such a way that it changes their life. It changes their direction. It changes their outlook on everything in a way that affects the city. And so that's what we've been praying for. That's what our heart's been. We, um, whatever city we live in, whatever town we're at, we, we, we find places around town and we just pray. And we begin to pray and we say, God, we want to see revival happen. We want to see revival in our home. We want to see revival in our city. We want to see revival in our church. Like we, we want that. That is, that is our heartbeat. And I believe that's the heartbeat of so many um, in the church. Um, I believe that's probably so many of our heartbeats as, as you guys think you're like, Siri wants in on that too. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, but, but I believe that I would, if I were to talk to you guys and say, hey, is this what you want? You want to see revival happen in Asheville? I would imagine that if you follow Jesus, then, then that is probably what you're after. That's probably what you want. Am I right? 
That we want to see Asheville just absolutely fall in love with Jesus. Not with the idea of spirituality, not with religion, not with this or that. We want them to fall in love with Jesus. And I believe that's our heartbeat. I believe that's what we want. And I remember um, when, I was, uh, when I was probably mid-20s or something, I just, I, I've, I found myself just really just infatuated with like revivals that had happened throughout the years. Um, looking back at like Azuzu Street Revival or the, some of the ones that have happened in the 18, 1900s, just all over, just looking at different revivals and just being like, God, how did revivals start? Like where does, how does it begin? Because that, that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what's in our heart. So how does it begin? Where does it start? And I felt like God was saying, I felt like Jesus was saying, like, go back to the original. Go back to the original. Go back to the greatest revival of all time. The greatest revival of all time, I believe, happened thousands of years ago when a man named Jesus showed up on the scene. And Jesus showed up. And I mean, this, this revival that happened was so crazy that, that this group of young men, this group of young women that followed Jesus changed the face of the earth. Like they, it, was, it was a small group of these just ragtag people that absolutely changed the, the, the trajectory of the world. Jesus showed up and actually changed time. They say now AD or BC and AD, like he changed everything. And so this idea of revival started with Jesus, I believe, that he's saying, hey, I'm coming and I'm bringing revival. And so God said, and so I said, okay, how did it start? Matthew 4, 17 if you've got your Bible, turn, to, with, turn with me into to Matthew 4, 17. What's happening in this, this scenario, and I want to start it off here, is saying that what's happening in this moment is, is that um, for hundreds of thousands of years, this Jewish culture, this Jewish city has been, they have known that there is this thing coming called the kingdom of God. They know that, that there is a, a Messiah, that there is a Savior, that there is a Christ coming that's going to come and save his people. And so they've been waiting for this. This isn't new um, information to them. This isn't something that's got to be like taught to them or shown to them. Like they, they've, been, they've been hearing the stories. They've been waiting. They've been longing. They've been, their grandparents have been telling them. They've been, they're saying that there is a Messiah. There is a Savior coming that's going to bring this kingdom. That's going to bring this, this heaven to earth. That's going to come and save his people. And then Matthew 4, 17, Jesus shows up and Jesus has done no um, public ministry at all. He just came out of the, the wilderness. If, if you're familiar, he came out of the 40 days and 40 nights of wilderness where he was tempted, and now he is stepping out to do his first public ministry. And it says, at that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus doesn't mix words at all. And so the way that he is starting this revival, the way he is saying, I'm going to start this revival with this idea of repent. This morning, I want to, I want to talk about this idea of repentance. This is one of those words that um, if I were to have gotten online on social media yesterday, and be like, hey, church, come to the gathering tomorrow. We're going to talk about repentance. Um, if you're like me, I'd been like, I got lunch plans. Sorry, can't make it, you know, or um, I would have, I would have come up with like, just the word repent or repentance, if you're like me, scares me. Like I remember growing up in church. I remember sitting in church and just thinking and like hearing about this word repent, repent. 
Or, or, or I remember um, I went to a festival a few years back. I went to just a, a citywide festival, and um, we were there, and I saw these, this group of people that had their, uh, their hand-drawn signs, their billboards, their cardboard paper, their what pulled out, and they were just screaming at people, saying, repent or go to hell. Repent or die of your sins. Repent or burn. And they're saying all these things, saying, and, and, and it was like a, this anger. It was like this fear that they were screaming. I and mean, they screamed at me. And I was like, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's like, uh, and I was like, whoa, I'm, 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 you, don't, you don't know me. I am. What? And I just like struggled. And I was like, and immediately I heard this word repent. And fear stuck, stepped in or shame stepped in. Or you see, um, if you've ever been to uh, back in like, I don't know, a while ago, I haven't seen them lately, but they used to like hold poster board signs up at like sporting events and stuff. You'd see like John 3, 16, go Tebow or whatever. And, and you would like, you would, you, or, but then you'd also see one person that's like just the words repent, you know, um, or you're driving, driving even here in town. Like there's a, there's a billboard somewhere, 40, 26, I don't know. But it just, you just see all it says on the billboard is repent. And behind it is like these flames. Um, it looks like it just terrifies me. I'm like, ugh. And, you know, it's like, I, what, what do I do with that? And it's just this idea of repent. Or the new billboard, if you will. I was looking at uh, reviews for uh, iPhone cases. I was like, oh, I need a new iPhone case. Let's get some reviews. And so I get on, and I'm looking. And, and even there in the comment section, whew, that's a dangerous place to go for any reason. Don't go to the comment section. But I went to the comment section, and in there, this guy said, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity while you're looking at iPhone cases and make sure you know that if you don't repent or you'll go to hell, I want to make sure that that is there. And so even in the comment sections, I see this word. And I see Jesus say this. I see, I mean, it's, it's right there for us. It's right, right there for us. He starts revival by saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. I want us to know that I don't know if those preachers are wrong. That if we don't repent, I think that what's on the other side is hell. And I'm not follow me. Don't, don't check out yet. But, but I'm, what, what I'm thinking is, is that obviously... The word repent is something that we need, to, we, need to, we need to hold on to. We need to say, okay, what is happening? Because Jesus started his ministry with it. And so it's got to be important, right? And so often, here's what we think about repentance. We think that repentance is, is that we feel bad for our sins. Have you heard this? You've been in church like me. I remember growing up, sitting in, in um, my, my little Methodist church with my parents and just sitting there like 15, 16 years old, just sitting and, and hearing the preacher, hearing the pastor talk about repentance and, and hearing that you, you need to repent, you need to turn from your sins, you need to turn or burn. You need to, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, 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 I'll, I'll, all right, I'll, 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 I'll figure, I'll, I'll feel bad. I do feel bad about my sins. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do these sins. I don't want to go to this place. I don't want to treat people like that. I don't want to have these thoughts about myself in my head. I do feel bad. Okay, okay, good. I, I feel bad. I feel bad. Um, Lord, save me. Um, I repent. I feel bad. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. 
We, see, we hear this word of repent, and we think, oh, what it is is that I just need to feel worse about myself, my sins. I need, to, I need to feel bad enough about my sins that I'll actually change my ways, right? And I grew up thinking this. I grew up hearing this and, and believing that, that this is how repentance happens. And so, yeah, if I walked into a church and I hear the pastors preaching about repentance, I'm like, oh, I don't want to feel bad today. I just wanted to come in and have a just wanted to sing some songs. I didn't want to feel bad again. So, so often what happens is that we say, okay, I need to repent of my sins. I do feel bad for my sins. I really do. Okay, God, I really do feel bad. Okay, forgive me. Thank you. You move on. What happens? Months, days, Hours, moments later, you're right back into the same spot. You're right back into the same spot that you were in before you were at church, before you felt bad about it. Or even fast forward a few years, turn 17, 18 years old, I become a Christian. Um, This is years later. I wasn't a believer then, but years later, right before I graduated high school, I become a Christian. I'm like, all right. I'm a Christian now. Everything's different. Everything's changed. I'm a Christian. And so now I do actually feel bad. And then do you ever get to those moments, and maybe I'm alone, but do you ever get to those moments where you're like, I don't feel bad about certain sins. (laughs) Actually, they're fun. And then I find myself in this predicament of like, oh no, what do I do now? If repentance is feeling bad and changing and moving and and shifting, then what do I do now? Like, how how do I get out of this? So I feel like, Repentance is not feeling bad for our sins. I don't think Jesus is is showing up on the scene and saying, feel bad for your sins. I don't think that's what he's saying. So what happens next is that we think, okay, if it's not feeling bad, then then I need to fix it. Repentance is, he says, I I need to feel bad, but then I need to also fix it. So what do I do next? I set up, I set up a accountability and I set up, um, uh, you know, a reading plan or, uh, you know, growing up, I, ha- I was real, real, real low in my self-esteem and my insecurities. And so I was like, okay, what I'm going to do, and I did this, I would write on my, wind- or on my mirror truths about myself. And I'm like, okay, I'll set this up. I'll have scripture. It's great. And, and guys, those are really, really good things to do and do that. But so often what happens is that we feel bad, we try to fix it, and we're like, okay, I need to repent. I need, I need to have this repentance. I'm going to fix it. And we try, and we set it up, and we set it up. We set up our accountability. We set up our counseling. We set up all the things, and then we realize these are great, but honestly, I'm just lying to these people now. Right? And we, sh- and we realize that, okay, Repentance is actually impossible. Has anyone ever felt that way? Has anyone ever felt like it's, it's actually impossible to repent? Like, and actually, okay, Jesus, I get it. Like, repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. I get it. I want to do that. I want to be all in. But this feels impossible. I've tried this. I've tried this over and over and over. And the last thing that, we, that repentance is not is this idea of faking it. And we're just like, okay, I'm just going to fake it then. If I can't feel bad enough and if I can't fix it myself, then I'm just going to fake it. I'm just going to fake it and just say, okay, I can't do this, so I'm just going to make it look like I do this. And so often what we do is we find ourselves in this trap 
of saying, I would rather look like a Christian than actually be a Christian. We'd say, I'd rather look holy and sanctified and redeemed than actually be holy, sanctified. We'd say, okay, I'm just going to fix I, I feel, but I tried the feeling bad. That didn't work. I tried to fix it. That didn't work. I'm just going to fake it. My heart breaks to think that there's people in here right now that we are finding ourselves in these spots of saying, I want repentance. I need repentance for me. I need to change. I need to, I need to step away from the sins and the, and the brokenness and the, and the lies that are just, just destroying my life. But I don't know how. It's impossible. I've got good news for us this morning. The good news this morning is, is it is impossible. If you have been feeling that weight of saying, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. Can I tell you this morning, it is impossible. We can't do this within ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We can't feel bad enough to save ourselves. And so if repentance doesn't mean these things, if repentance doesn't mean that, that I feel bad for my sins and I, and I turn and I, and I walk in the other way and I'm saying, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to go this I, I feel bad about that, so I'm going to go this way. Or, or we feel like I, I, I've, I've set it up and I'm trying to fix it and I can't do that. That doesn't work or I'm faking it. Okay, if that's not what repentance is, then what is repentance? It's a great question. I'm glad y'all asked. So going back to our, our verse in Matthew 4, I think it's really, really important to understand um, two things. One, the words that are being said, and two, what the ears are actually hearing that are listening. Does that make sense? That we want to know, okay, what word is actually being said? And the, the word that Jesus is saying in this moment where he's saying, repent, is he's saying this, the Greek word metanoia. You all know Greek now. Way to go. Uh, but you all, it is mentanoia. I'm, I may be saying it right. I hope Martin help me. Uh, but I, you, you want this mentanoia is what he is saying to these people. He's saying, mentanoia, the kingdom of heaven. I don't know the rest of it. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word mentanoia means to change one's perspective. To change one's perspective. When Jesus shows up on the scene, he is not saying, feel bad for your sins. Stop sinning or go to hell. He's saying, change your perspective. And you have to understand the other side is that what are they hearing? Did you know that repentance, metanoia, is not, is not a strictly religious or a strictly Christian term? Jesus didn't just show up with this made-up term of, hey, I don't know Christianity, but here's a fake word. No, he's saying that this is a word that, we, that they would have known. They would have been very aware of this idea of, okay, I, I hear the word repent. I know what that means. It has nothing to do with sin because we, we haven't even gotten it. It doesn't mean looking again. It, it, okay, what, is, what does metanoia, what does repent mean? And it means to change one's perspective and that this happens not just inside of the Christian context, but it can actually happen. You can repent when you're on Instagram. We all should. But um, we, you, you, you could repent on Instagram where you're scrolling 
And you, you, you scroll by this dog or this duck that's on the back of a dog, and you're like, whoa, what was that? And you need to go back, and you're like, oh, no, that's just a dog playing with a stick. And you're like, oh, I thought it was something else, but really it's not a, dog, a duck on the back of a dog. It's a dog just playing with a stick. And, and so you scroll by, and you're like, oh, you go back and you look at it again, and you see it for what it really is. You see it clearly, and you say, okay, now I know what it is. Or another really popular... Um, picture that you probably, a lot of us have probably seen on, on social media or something is, is this picture right here. And you look at this picture, and you're like, that is gruesome. That is a mama lion devouring its baby. That is gruesome. That is horrible. I cannot believe it. But then the repentance comes here. Perspective changes. Oh, that's actually a loving mom. That's actually a loving mom that's saying, hey, I'm carrying you to safety or I'm carrying you to your bedroom because you're in trouble, whatever. I'm carrying you and protecting you. It's not, it's not what we thought it was. It's something completely different. And so Jesus, again, going back to this, Jesus shows up with these people. He shows up in this, in, this, in this group and he's saying, Matthew 4, 17, he says, repent. He says, metanoia, see me, look at me. What they're saying, what, what, what is actually happening is the kingdom of hand, no, the kingdom of God is at hand, is meaning that what you're looking at is actually bringing the kingdom of God to you. And so he is saying, look at me, people, I am the Messiah, He's saying, look again at me. You thought that you, he is saying this to people that know him. He's 30 years old, give or take. He is, it is, it is, it would be weird to think that for 30 years, nobody would have known who this guy was. And he just popped out of the woods like John. But no, it was, he, he is known by these people and he shows up and he says, repent, see me clearly, look at me. And guess what? I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven now. He's saying, I am the Messiah that we've been waiting for. I am the Messiah that you've been longing for. He says, metanoia, look again at me. Look again at who you, who you thought I was, but really, this is who I am. I am the Messiah. I am the promised one. I am the one that we have been waiting for. So I was Going back and thinking, so what then brings revival into our homes? What brings revival into your heart and mine? What, what brings revival to our cities, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our world? What brings revival? It is not feeling bad for your sins so much that you change your ways. It's not that we try to fix ourselves so that nobody else knows. It's that we look again at Jesus and we see him more clearly. We see him more beautifully. We say, that is the Messiah. That is the one that's going to change everything about me. Jesus' message to these people was not repent. Understand that. Jesus' message to these people was Jesus. Jesus' message to these people was, I am the Messiah that you've been wanting. I am the Messiah that you've been longing for. I am the Messiah that we've been waiting for. Look again at me. Here's a thought that I want us to, to have as we continue. 
That is, what causes our repentance must sustain our repentance. What causes our repentance must sustain our repentance. If, if, if we turn from our wicked ways and we start walking and what is causing that is, is that we got caught or that we feel bad or that we want to fix ourselves, then that's going to have to sustain it to where we're going to have to still keep feeling bad and keep trying to fix ourselves and keep trying to move in that way. But what if it was that Jesus is saying, I want to sustain your repentance. I want to keep your repentance. I want you to see me and allow that to move you in a completely different way. I want to show this in a, in a verse, real popular verse, real, real famous Story is Romans 2, verse 4, and it says, Do you not know that it's the kindness of God that is meant to lead us to repentance? Do you not know that it's the kindness of God? It's the kindness, it's the beauty, it's the joy, it's the love, it's the, it's the Father's eyes looking at us and being like, I am proud of you. I love you. I, I want you in my family. I want you close to me. And that's what leads us to repentance, not the shame and the guilt and the torment of what we've done. It's that we see Jesus more clearly. And now we go to John 4. Because Jesus, what Jesus wants is he wants to remove sin from our way, our, our life. So don't hear me say that we're not supposed to want a holy life and we're not supposed to set up boundaries. We are. All that stuff is true. All that is good. We could spend weeks on repenting and what that looks like and how that plays out in our life. We could do that for weeks if we wanted. But I want to start with what is the, what is the, the thing that causes repentance because that has to sustain it. And so if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 4. And this story of it's a real popular story in the, book, in the Bible. It's the, it's the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And for, for sake of time, I'm going to kind of just kind of give you a, a synopsis of what the story is leading up to where we're at and, 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 and go from there. But, but what the story is, is that's happening is, is that, that Jesus is about, he's, he's leaving Judea. He's leaving Judea and he's about to go to Galilee. And he's like, okay, boys, let's go. We're going to Galilee. Um, he gets his disciples. He gets them together. He's like, okay, here we go. And we're going to actually walk through Samaria, by the way. And if you don't know the history, it's real quick, real quick. Uh, Samaritans and Jews hate each other. Um, on a, a terrible, I mean, it's just, they, they hate each other. They, politically, they're opposites. Uh, racially, they're, they're different. Socially, um, religiously, they hate everything about one another. So much so that on a normal day, if the Jews were to take this trip, they would say, let's just go around Samaria completely. Let's avoid it at all costs. Even, even, if, it, even if it doubles or triples our, our, our trip completely. Like we have to go three times as far just to go around, but it's worth it because we don't want to be around those people. And Jesus says to his guys, he says, hey, we're going straight through Samaria. There's someone there that I've got to meet. There's someone there that, that I have to meet. And so they start on the journey and they walk through Samaria and they get to this well, Jacob's well, and they, they see this well. Jesus goes under, he sits down, he sends his disciples on their way. He says, hey, go, go to the city, grab some food, grab some drink. I'll be here and come on back when you're done. 
And so they go and Jesus is sitting there alone and a woman shows up. A woman shows up and it's the middle of the day. It's the hottest part of the day. But you don't, you don't go to the well at the hottest part of the day because it's the hottest part of the day. Like you just, you, you go in the mornings, you go at night, but those times are so busy that this woman's like, I got to avoid people. I, I got to avoid all the other people. And so I'm just going to go at the middle time of the day because I want to be alone. I want to do my own thing. I'm already rejected. I don't know. I, I don't want to be around other people. So she shows up in the middle part of the day to this Jewish man, Jesus, sitting there. Jesus sees her. She's getting water. She's getting you know, water from the well. And Jesus asks, woman, can I have some water? And this isn't, this, is, this isn't a, hey, woman, bring me a water. No, this is Jesus submitting and saying, I, I see that you have it. I need water. It's him in an almost submission way of saying, can you please give me water? And the woman responds with, who are you, a man, a Jewish man, and you look like, you find out later, you look like you're a religious leader, who are you to talk to me, a woman, a Samaritan woman, and a woman by herself? Who are you to ask me for anything? She immediately knows that there's some, there's some tension here, that there, there are different sides of the, of the coin. They are, they are opposing, they're supposed to be opposing enemies. As the conversation continues, and Jesus continues to talk with this woman, and share with this woman, and, and, and it, she has some, she has some uh, religious comments or questions and, and saying, hey, your, your Jews won't even let us worship. How are we supposed to worship if we can't even get into your tabernacle, your temples? You won't even let us. And he says that there is, there is a time coming where true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And then he says, go, get your husband and come back and we can, we can keep talking. And he, she responds with, I don't have a husband. And he goes, you're right. You're right to say you don't have a, have a husband. Actually, you've had five husbands, and the person you're living with, the man you're living with, is not your husband. And we're going to pick it up right there. In verse 25, it's up there. It says, and just then, his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or, or why are you talking with her? Immediately, the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and they came to Jesus. Guys, that is repentance. Do you see it? Do you see it? That that is repentance. See, look at, the, what, look at what's happening here. This woman was met by this man. This woman was met by this Jewish leader. And she had to look again at him. But what happened after that? She showed up in town. Put yourself in this situation. This woman is, is known by her, her city as the woman that's had multiple husbands, probably. That's why she was alone. That's why people knew what was going on. And she goes to this city and she says, city, 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 listen, there was a man that knows everything that I did. Well, yeah, every man knows everything that you did. I mean, can you imagine the response of the city to say, well, of course every man knows what you did. 
but something in her caused them to say, something's changed in her. Something's different about her, so much so that I'm going to get up right now and I'm going to go and see this man. What if repentance wasn't that, that she came back and felt sorry, but what if it's that she came back and she's like, oh my gosh, there is a man that loves me so much. There is a, G, there is a, a Messiah, a Christ that loves me so much that I have to share with you and it's coming out of a joy. It's coming out of, a, of, of a, just a love, not out of a guilt, not out of a shame, not out of my, even my own strength. That's the kind of repentance that, that causes revival in our city. What causes the revival in our city is that we see Jesus clearly. We see him and we say, you, you are more beautiful than everything else. You are more good than everything else. You are, you are everything. And so it's not about what I can change in myself. It's about that I just see you. I love that what the Puritan said. It's a really, really good quote. The Puritan said, um, how does one dislodge a beautiful thing from the human heart? Meaning, how does one dislodge that thing that is in us that's been there for so long that we don't even know how to get it out anymore? We don't know. It's, it's been with us that we've just kind of accepted that part of us. We've kind of just allowed that to stay there. How does one dislodge a beautiful thing from our heart? We replace it with a more beautiful thing. My, my hope, my message, my, my prayer for us this morning is, is that what causes us to repent, what causes us to lead to looking again and seeing Jesus is that we see a more beautiful thing. We see that Jesus is, is better. Jesus is gooder. Jesus is, is lovelier than everything else in our life, that we see him clearly. I love that, again, I love that on that day that Jesus started his ministry, his message was very consistent for the rest of his life and still is. That Jesus showed up on that day, Matthew 4, 17, and says, repent, look at me, look again at me. You've, you've seen me, you've known me. Hey, why not today you look at me differently? Why not today you look at me, you look at me differently and you say, I want to know who that really is. I want to know who that Jesus really is. Jesus' message that morning, again, was not repentance, but Jesus' message that morning was Jesus. The Gathering Church, our message is and always will be Jesus. Jesus is our message Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our everything that we can't do anything apart from him. And so when we repent, what we have to do is we have to replace the beautiful thing with a more beautiful thing. That when we look and we see what Jesus has done for us on the cross, that it doesn't produce in us guilt and shame, but it produces in us joy. That God, you took on, he, he, he was on the cross for us so that we would live in a repentant life that we could say, he is the most beautiful thing. Last example is this, is how did, how did Romeo, how did Romeo get rid of Rosaline? Y'all know the play Romeo and Juliet? 
I remember in college, I, uh, my first year of college, I was like, I don't like English, but I like plays. Um, and so I want to take a class that's kind of fun and, and easy. And so I'll take this William Shakespeare-focused English 101 piece of cake. It was really hard. I flunked it. Whatever. But um, I remember um, getting there, and, and, and my professor was, my professor was, she loved William. Um, but it was just a weird Weird relationship there, but she, she was passionate about Bill Shakespeare, so much so that we had some rumors that we were like, maybe she's dating him, I mean, I don't know. Um, but, but I remember when she started talking us to us about the greatest, most well-known play of all time was Romeo and Juliet. I just, I, I fell in love with it. I was like, this is awesome. I love this. This is, this is cool. And I started watching all the, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio and whatever. And, but how did Romeo get rid of Rosaline. Do you all remember Rosaline? If you remember in the beginning, the first act, the first play, the first, there, there's like this little fight or whatever, but then after that, it's Benvolio, who's the cousin, and, and Romeo. Stay with me. And they're talking. And they're talking to each other, and they're having this conversation, and, and Romeo's like pining away for Rosaline, and oh, Rosaline, you're so beautiful. Oh, Rosaline, I can't ever have you. Oh, Rosaline. He, um, and Benvolio is like, Romeo, bro, get it together, man. Like, come on. And he says, why don't you come with me to a party? I want you to come with me to this party. There's going to be more, more, there's going to be more women there. And it's just going to be great. Just come with me. And Romeo responds with this. He says, the all-seeing sun has ne'er seen her match. Since first the world begun, there is no one fairer than Rosaline. Romeo was a kook, man. Like, he is, he is weird. Like, he was crazy. Um, I just, I'm, I'm standing on that, that he was, he was out there. But what happens? What happens? They show up at the party. And Romeo sees Juliet. And after the party, again, ladies, don't go after Romeo. Romeo literally met this lady and then snuck into her backyard and started saying stuff to her window. But what does he say? He says, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou art her maid more fair than she. He says, Rosaline who? He says that the, I, I, I was pining over Rosaline. I was, I was obsessed with Rosaline. But now I've seen Juliet. And Rosaline's not a thought. How do we have revival as we see Jesus clearly? We see the more beautiful thing that is Jesus. We say that, yes, I've, I've been chasing this, this lifestyle. I've been chasing this sin. I've been chasing all of these thoughts for so many years. And I can't in myself figure out how to break it because in yourself, you can't. We have to see Jesus again. My heart for us, my, my, my prayer for us this week is that we look again at Jesus. That maybe you thought you've given him a shot. He doesn't work for me. Maybe you thought that I tried that, it didn't work. Can I encourage you this morning to look again at Jesus? He's good. He loves you. When he looks at you, he sees you. He doesn't see your brokenness because he's already taken that to the grave. He sees you and he wants you. Maybe for someone in here this morning that 
that you've actually been, been coming to church or you've been, you've been trying to kind of kicking the tires or whatever and, and you, you, you've never actually taken that step of saying, I want to know Jesus personally. I want to know Jesus as my Savior. I want to know Jesus as my Messiah, as my Christ. I need him. Can I tell you this morning, the, the best way, the, the, the way to do that is to simply ask. To simply ask him. Talk to him. And so right now what we're going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you and with every head bowed and eyes closed. If this is you this morning that you're saying that I've never known Jesus like this, I've never, I've never known this kind of Jesus, can you, would you pray with me? You can use my words or you can use your own words, but pray with me. Pray this, that, that Jesus, I give you myself. I, I, I don't have any answers, Lord. I don't, I don't know what to do, Lord. I just need you. I know that I need you. Lord, come into my life. Come into my heart. Be the king of my life. Be the, be the master of my decisions of my life. I give it to you, Lord. I want you to save me this morning. Jesus, I need you to be more beautiful to me than the rest of the world. Lord, come into my life. Save me. Rescue me. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gathering Church Podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org, find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church, or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.